shall we begin? And hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Movie Pit Podcast. I am your host, Christian. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast this week. Hopefully, everyone had a great, safe, awesome 4th of July week, weekend, however long you celebrated. Hopefully, it was awesome. Hopefully, you were surrounded by people that you love and that you saw a lot of cool fireworks. Uh, I know I did. Uh, So, (laughs) hello, uh, everybody. Like I said, this is the Movie Pit Podcast. I'm your host, Christian. This is where we discuss all of the breaking big movie news items that have come out throughout the week. We also talk about the movie trailers that came out this week, and we talk about the movies that are out in theaters this weekend for all your viewing pleasures. Of course, there sometimes will be reviews and rants and opinions and everything far and in between that a movie podcast should have, uh, with the exception of, uh, of a guest. Uh, I forgot to get a guest this week, so I apologize. Uh, but hello. Welcome, everybody. Very, uh, very appreciative of all you coming here. Uh, it's been uh, pretty interesting. Like I meant, like I said, hopefully all you guys had a great, safe, and fun 4th of July week, weekend. Uh, I'm not going to waste any time because we have a lot of news to get to this week. It was a perfect time to come back because we got all these big movie news items. So let's get to it. Let's go right into the podcast this week. And first, but first, we're going to talk about the movie news items that came out last week. Uh, there's only two of them that I'm going to mention. Uh, one of them is just a combination of, of, of three separate news items. But uh, there's only two news items that I want to talk about that came out last week. The first one is, of course, the big one. The Disney live-action Little Mermaid movie has been casting its people. And most importantly, it cast its Ariel. And it just sent the whole internet to blaze. Uh, with all comments and hashtags and debates and some racism, unfortunately. Um, so, uh, first of all, uh, Disney's live-action Little Mermaid casting, like I mentioned, is heating up. Melissa McCarthy was actually the first person to uh, to to be casted, or at least gonna potentially be casted. Uh, she was in, she is in talks to join the movie to play the villainous Ursula, aka the villain of the movie. Although some people will say that there should be someone. I think it was a YouTube personality. I, I Lizzo. I think I. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Um, nonetheless, Melissa McCarthy is first uh, was the first uh, news tidbit. Then it came out uh, that Jacob Tremblay and Aquafina are in talks to voice characters Flounder and Scuttle. Uh, they, of course, are uh, friends of Ariel in the movie. And then came the big one, which was that actress and singer Haley Bailey, not ha- not Halle Berry, like everyone, including myself, were like, "What? Uh, no." It is an actress and singer, Haley Bailey, uh, is uh, now going to lead the film. She has been cast as Ariel. Uh, Bailey is one half of the singing duo Haley, or Chloe and Haley, or Chloe X Haley, however you want to look at it. She also has a supporting role in the freeform TV series Grownish. I don't watch it. Uh, I hear some some good things about it. That, of course, is a spinoff of uh Blackish, the hit show on ABC. She also appeared in the movie The Last Holiday. So, but this will undoubtedly be her biggest project to date. Uh, that said, The Little Mermaid will be Bailey's, like I mentioned, her first big feature film. I should probably be ahead of my 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 outline here. Uh, it will be directed by Rob Marshall, who directed Disney's Into the Woods and Mary Poppins Returns. So he has a very good background in uh, musicals. Not saying that The Little Mermaid will be a musical. I think they're still. Uh, saying that, but no, I'm just kidding. It's going to be a musical. Of course it's going to be a musical. It's Disney. Um, so anyway, uh, Rob Marshall was very high on the uh, Bailey casting, released a statement saying a bunch of wonderful things about her. Lin-Manuel Miranda will be producing the movie. He will also be spearheading the music alongside Disney veteran songwriter Alan Metkin. Uh, it's also rumored that Lin-Manuel Miranda might voice Sebastian that has not been confirmed yet, and there's been no news items on that since uh, since all this. Uh, the movie will be Disney's usual mix of live-action CGI, as well as feature songs from the animated movie, the original animated movie, uh, and as well as new songs. And filming is expected to start early next year. There is no release date yet for The Little Mermaid, but uh, like I said, they're going to start filming next year. Casting-wise, uh, voice acting, I mean, Jacob Tremblay is great. Aquafina, took me a while to get 
kind of on board with her, but I'm all on board with her, and I've been hearing nothing but great things about our new movie, The Farewell, which actually comes out this weekend, a limited release. We'll talk about that when we get to it, at least that segment of the show. Melissa McCarthy, always reliable as usual. Of course, everyone knows her for, uh, you know, adult comedies. She's now been going into some more drama-heavy stuff, so this is a nice uh, different change of pace for her as well. Uh, I think she'd probably be, she'd probably knock Ursula out of the park. Uh, now as, of course, for the big one. Hey, uh, Haley Bailey. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I had to stop myself from saying Halle Berry. And there's a reason why I keep saying her name is Haley and not Halle. I don't know if she pronounces it Halle, but I'm going to say Haley because I'm going to otherwise say Halle Berry all the time. But as for the casting of Bailey, let's put it that way. I, I never heard any of her songs. I don't watch uh, Grownish. I don't know anything about this. Or I don't know anything about her. Um, all I know is that she's been casted and that she's black and that everyone was up in arms when she was cast as Ariel. Uh, but of course, it's not because of her skin color. It's because she's not red. You know, she's she's just not redhead. Uh, of course, that's 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 what it is. That's exactly what it is. No, people people are racist. Look, I I'm indifferent to the casting. I'm not going to say anything about her. I've never seen her act before. I've never seen her in anything before. I'm indifferent to her casting. Uh, just like I'm indifferent to The Little Mermaid being remade into a live-action movie in general. Uh, I have no... Um, I have no thoughts on it. Uh, I, I just... You know, if she does great, awesome. She knocks it out of the park, great. If it's not good, oh well. <laughs> you know? Um... I'm all on board. You know, I'm not going to say that I'm all on board because that'd be crazy. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not a. You know, I don't, I don't get. I don't get those big old checks from Disney for me to say nice things about them all the time, uh, like some people think that pe- the reviewers get from for Marvel. But um, I don't know. I'm just. I'm indifferent to it. I got. I'm saying, if she knocks it out of the park, awesome, great. Then good for her. She she did great. I mean, first first and for all the people. That are saying mermaids aren't black. Mermaids aren't real. And even if they were, what makes you think they were all white and redheaded? T- seriously. Just think about that. Alright. Let's move on to the next movie news item before I find myself getting angry. I mean, I'm still a little angry at this next news item, but I'll try to control myself. Okay, so stop me if you've heard this before. Warner Brothers and DC Films' The Flash has found a new director. Uh, According to the report from The Hollywood Reporter, Andy Muschietti, the director of Mama, It, and the upcoming It Chapter 2, is in talks to direct the movie. On top of that, the studio is eyeing in-demand screenwriter Christina Hudson, who wrote Bumblebee and is uh, writing the upcoming Birds of Prey movie for DC Films as well, to write the new script. Last we heard about the movie was that star Ezra Miller uh, was trying desperately to keep the film um, floating, even suggesting that he would write the film himself with comic book writer Grant Morrison for a more darker take on the material, something that he actually did with Grant Morrison and that the studio passed on. So the last time the director's chair was taken, it was by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. Now, they were the writers for Spider-Man Homecoming. They were also the writer and directors for the comedy Game Night that came out last year. Which, if you haven't watched, I highly recommend that. Go watch Game Night. The duo are no longer, obviously, involved. The decision was reportedly voluntarily after creative differences, uh, creative differences, I should say, uh, bogged down the project. And yes, some of those creative differences were apparently the approach of the movie and the different script that was written by Miller and by Grant Morrison. All of that said... This is not the first time the movie has had problems finding and keeping a director. Like I mentioned, I'm going to try to control my rage here. Because the last time I talked about this, I got really angry. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I got really... I don't think it was the John Francis Daly, uh, Jonathan Goldstein casting. I think it was before they got hired. It was after they lost uh, Rick Famuyiwa, which I'll talk about in a second. That's when I got really angry. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to that, I, don't, I, I have no idea what episode that is. Um, but if you can find it, I'm, I'm sure you, I'm sure you'll be. I'm sure it's one of the headline uh, titles of the podcast. So anyway, I already lost what I was saying. Oh, that's right. Uh, directors. Uh, so it's not the first time they've had a problem finding directors. Uh, Seth Graham Smith, who 
was uh, who's been he was he wrote uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. He was one of the writers for uh, the Lego Movie and the Lego Batman Movie as well. So he's he's been working with Warner Brothers for a long time. Uh, he was one of the first names attached to write and direct the movie, uh, but then uh, he passed on the project due to not being able to crack it. Um, then came Rick Famuyiwa, which I just mentioned. He directed the movie Dope. Um, which is very good if you haven't watched it. I highly recommend that. Um, it's not necessarily all about drugs, just because the name just because the name is dope. I'll just, I'll just put it that way. Uh, who ended up? Ca- he actually ended up getting a lot farther than Seth Graham Smith. He ended up casting uh, Kirstie Clemens and Billy Crudup as Iris West and Henry Allen, uh, who are. Um, Barry's love interest and Barry's father. Billy Crudup did have a small role in Justice League as as Barry's father. Uh, and then he would end up dropping out due to creative differences a few months later as well. And that's when I got really angry. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller were then were also attached at one point. I forgot when in the timeline they were attached. But they were attached at one point to write with an eye to direct the movie. Uh, they dropped out a few months uh, later as well due to creative differences. And then uh, for them to go off and direct... Uh, solo a star wars story which of course then we know how all that happened although that that you know project you know had its own minor differences uh and by minor i mean major differences <laughs> so anyway the project then went quiet for a while robert zemeckis the great robert zemeckis was even rumored to take over the project but that never materialized because he went off to direct uh welcome to marwin and after that, I guess they couldn't. He couldn't reach a deal with them, or Warner Brothers couldn't reach a deal with him. Uh, and that's when, of course, uh, uh, John Francis Daly and John, uh, Jonathan Goldstein were, uh, were were bought in. And of course, now they have left. Uh, as for Muschietti, if he accepts, they haven't offered him anything officially. He would oddly follow in the footsteps of horror directors directing DC movies. James Wan, of course, went on went and went from horror to direct Aquaman, and David Sandberg, who directed Annabelle Creations and Lights Out, went on to direct Shazam, both massive hits for the studio and massive hits for DC Films. Plus, recently it was reported that Jaime Colette Serra, who directed the House of Wax uh, remake and Orphan, he's also directed a bunch of other stuff, but those are the horror projects that he's directed, uh, is attached to direct Black Adam, which is which would be a spin-off of Shazam uh, that has Dwayne The Rock Johnson attached to the movie. So, it's this weird trend of Warner Brothers just hiring horror directors to direct these movies, which is great because they turn out, they turn out, I mean... In Shazam's case, it was really good. Aquaman had its problems. I had it. Well, at least I had problems with Aquaman. Um, I don't know if all of you had problems with Aquaman. I did. But uh, but yeah, no word yet on when The Flash, regardless of all this, no word yet on when The Flash won't finally get off the ground. But let's hope that this sticks, at least for the fans' stakes and their lives, because I'm sure they're getting restless for a Flash movie to come out. By the way, The Flash movie was supposed to come out at least twice now. Uh, and it hasn't yet, and I'm sure that's pissed off a lot of fans. At this point, I don't think anyone's going to believe a Flash movie is happening until they see it for themselves. Until they're in the theater, and they watch the whole movie, and the credits roll, and then if they have an after credit scene, that plays, and they're walking home, and they get in their car, and they drive home, and they're talking about it with whoever they want to go see it with. That is the only way that I think any fan, and even myself, will accept the fact that a Flash movie was made. Because at this point, it's just ridiculous. Uh, those are the two movie news items I wanted to talk about uh, that came out last week, the big ones anyway, that I wanted to dip my hands in, let you guys know about. Uh, let's move on to the movie news items that came out this week. In the first segment, of course, Quickfire. Yeah, baby! <laughs> first uh, first Quickfire movie news item we're going to talk about is a Momo movie is in the works. Why? 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 Why would they do this? Yes, I said that right. And yes, you heard that right. Orion Pictures, the studio behind the recent Child's Play remake, is partnering with... Parten- <laughs> why do you say that word? Partnering... Why does it sound weird? Uh, whatever. They're working together. If it's, I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, with uh, the successful producer Roy Lee and his vintage, uh, or his Vertigo, I'm sorry, Vertical Entertainment. I just can't talk today. Uh, Vertical Entertainment production banner and Japanese producer Taka Atishi. I think that's how you pronounce his 
last name? I could be wrong. Uh, he was uh, behind the American versions of the Ring and the Grudge movies back in the day. Uh, to develop a movie based off the creepy viral sensation Momo. Now, if you're in the case like me, who lived in blissful ignorance, didn't know what the hell Momo was until the very last second, uh, it's actually a sculpture called Mother Bird that was part of a 2016 gallery exhibit in Tokyo, which was rooted itself in the legend of uh, Ubimi, I think that's how you pronounce it, I'm butchering language apparently on this movie news item, Uh, a venomous child-snatching bird of Japanese folklore. Now, the good old internet took that bizarre image and used it as a viral hoax known as the Momo Challenge, which involved a game that encouraged children to hurt themselves, because that's apparently how you gain internet fame now, you know, don't do anything cool, no, go online and hurt yourself, you dumbasses, Uh, you know who I'm talking to. Anyway, the project is still in the early stages, so it will probably be a while before we hear anything, there's no screenwriter, there's no director, uh, there's no... How they're gonna go about it, but uh, let's hope that it's better than Slenderman, because Slenderman was a movie that came out, and I mean, granted it had its problems behind the scenes, but I'm sure those problems behind the scenes didn't change the fact that that movie wasn't probably very good even before that. Uh, and also, the Slenderman movie came out, I don't know what, ten years too late. So let's hope that this isn't the case for for Momo, I guess. Uh, the next quick fire new movie news item, The Big Lebowski spinoff. Yes, there is a spinoff of The Big Lebowski. In case you were uh, on the outs on this one, the spinoff from the Coen Brothers classic noir comedy, The Big Lebowski, following the character of The Jesus. Liam and me, we're gonna fuck you up. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Let me tell you something, Pandeo. You pull any of your crazy shit with us, you flash a piece out on the lanes, I'll take it away from you and stick it up your ass and pull the fucking trigger till it goes click. Jesus. You said it, man. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. Played by John Turturro. is actually happening. And we'll have a release date. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter reports that the Jesus role... Yes, that is what the movie's going to be called. It's going to be called The Jesus Rolls. Or Jesus Rolls. Sorry, not Jesus Roll. The Jesus Rolls. Say that 10 No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, Anyway, uh, we'll be coming out early 2010. So it's going to... Or 2020. It's going to be back to... You're going to have a time machine to go watch it. Uh, 2020. So it's going to come out early next year. Uh, The spinoff is written and directed by the Jesus himself, John Turturro, who has been trying to get this out since 2016. And even had some set photos surface online back when the film uh, had a different title called Going Places. Uh, the spinoff does have the ca- does have a cast of uh, Bobby Cannavale, uh, Audrey Tautou, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, Pete Davidson, John Hamm, and Susan Sarandon. On top of all this, the synopsis reads like this. So in case you're wondering how this fits into the Big Lebowski, who the hell knows? I mean, the cast and John Turturro know, but we don't. Uh, the synopsis reads like this. Follows a trio of misfits whose irrelevant, sexually charged dynamic involves, evolves I'm sorry, into a surprising love story, but when they make enemies with a gun-toting hairdresser, uh, their journey becomes one of the constant escape from the law. Why? Why are we doing this? Well, just why? Turturro himself did release a statement uh, about the project. I'm not going to read it because it's... it's kind of long but um basically uh i am gonna just this one little tidbit of uh of what he said it's he says it feels like a good time to release a transgressive film about the stupidity of men who try and fail and try better to understand and penetrate the mystery of women what does that mean who the hell knows uh i don't know how he's gonna attempt to do that but uh, more power to him if he can actually get that done. Uh, so like I said, the movie's going to come out in early 2020. Possibly a January release. Maybe February. Um, but obviously I'll keep you updated on, uh, on that movie news item if you want me to. Uh, the next quickfire movie news item is... Uh, the big budget international heist film Red Notice that already had stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Gal Gadot sets a star has added Ryan Reynolds, but has also announced that's uh, something else bigger. They're actually moving to Netflix. Uh, the move was uh, the movie was originally at Universal Pictures and had a release date for next year in November, 
But now with the move to the streaming service site, Red Notice doesn't have a release date, but it will be filming in January of next year. When the movie was first reported, the budget was set to be around 125 to 150 million, and that also and some of that included having a big payday for all the actors. I think they said that Johnson was finally going to be paid 20 million dollars for his role in the movie, which is the first time in his career for that. That's I mean, good for him, but also, holy crap. Uh, anyway, um, and uh, this, Red Notice, will be one of Netflix's most expensive features to date, alongside Six Underground, which is being directed, or has already been, the movie's already done, uh, was directed by Michael Bay, and also starred Ryan Reynolds. And this comes also after Netflix announced that they are going to take a more modest budget approach after the quote-unquote failure of Triple Frontier earlier this year, uh, which I watched the other day for the first time. I mean, it's not perfect. I think the first half of the movie is really good, and then the second half of the movie kind of flounders, but I I, I don't know why it got so much hate. I, I mean, it's fine. It's just fine what it is. Don't worry about it. People just like to complain. Anyway, uh, this will be Johnson's second se- uh, Netflix movie. Johnson will produce and star in the movie John Henry and the Statesman, where Johnson will play John Henry, the mythic African-American steel driver from American folklore, who will lead an ensemble cast of the most popular figures from folklore and legend from all around the world. So there you go. Uh, Sherlock Holmes 3 gets a new director. Uh, Now that Robert Downey Jr. is done with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if you say that's a spoiler, uh, you obviously have been staying off the internet and hadn't gone in the movies uh he's going back to another franchise he started sherlock holmes however after all this time franchise director guy ritchie will not be coming back because variety broke the story that dexter fletcher has come on board to direct sherlock holmes 3 sources told variety that warner Bros. has always planned on making a third movie uh, robert downey jr himself guy ritchie and Jude law have all said yeah we're gonna come back and make a third one once uh, all our schedules clear and once we can crack a story uh, so I don't know why it came as such a surprise to Variety. Uh, the last one, Sherlock Holmes: Game of Shadows, came back out or came out back in 2011, but because of Downey's busy schedule, it prevented them from actually filming the third movie. Gris Baranto, who uh, wrote Species Two, uh, that was kind of his only movie that he's written. He's been sticking more to the TV side of things, or at least the streaming service side of things. He uh, he he was one of the creators and one of the writers, one of the many writers for Narcos and Narcos Mexico. He also uh, wrote a handful of episodes for the NBC series Hannibal. He is writing the script for the movie. Jew Law is expected to come back as uh, John Watson. As for Fletcher, he recently directed Rocket Man. It's still in theaters if you want to go check that out. And took over for Brian Singer to finish filming Bohemian Rhapsody when all that stuff was going down. Uh, he also directed Eddie the Eagle, which of course starred Rocket Man lead Taron Egerton in that movie, which is also based on a true story. Not saying that Sherlock Holmes is based off a true story, but you know all the movies he's directed so far that he's worked on, the last three movies he's worked on have all been based on true stories. Um, anyway, Sherlock Holmes three does have have a release date currently for December twenty first, twenty twenty one. We'll see if that sticks and if they can actually finally get this movie off off the back burner. Uh, actually, no, I lied. That was not the last quickfire movie news item. Uh, the last quickfire movie news item is that Charlize Theron and Helen Mirren are returning for Fast and the Furious 9. Uh, Diesel, Vin Diesel, I don't know why I said his name like James Bond, uh, Vin Diesel uh, has already revealed on his Instagram that Michelle Rodriguez, uh, who said she was not going to come back if the script wasn't good and the script uh, didn't write the women of the franchise better. Uh, of course, she's coming back, so... Something must have uh, stuck with her. Uh, and Jordana, uh, Jordana Brewster, I know I had a hard time saying her name, uh, played Mia. She's coming back. So all that was revealed on Diesel's Instagram. He also revealed that... John Cena! ...is in the movie. He's been joining the cast, although we don't know who he's playing yet. But that was not all, because uh, he took the Instagram this week to reveal that both Charlize Theron and Helen Mir will be returning. So reprising their roles from *The Fate of the Furious*, Theron, of course, played the first female-led le- the first female-led villain in the franchise, Cipher, who escaped the group in the last film. And Helen Mirren played the mother of both Owen and Deckard Shaw. She is also going to be appearing in *Hobbs and Shaw* because, of course, one of her, you know, movie sons is in the 
is in the movie. It's not the movie's name. One, the movie is partially named after him. Uh, filming is currently underway in London with Justin Lin returning to the franchise to direct the movie. He directed Tokyo Drift uh, through Fast and the Furious 6, and the plan is for him to come back and direct Fast and the Furious 10, which will reportedly be the last movie of the franchise. Fast and the Furious 9 will open next year on May 22nd. Hopefully by then we actually know what the movie's about, and we know a buttload more about what we know now, which is nothing. That's it, let's move on. And some other quick movie news items that just dropped right before as I was, uh, or not right before, but right as I was ending this podcast. Uh, apparently, Christopher Waltz is reprising his role as Blofeld in James Bond 25. Apparently, the, the, new, the news just broke out. Uh, obviously, Waltz played, um, or not obviously, in case you didn't watch it, but uh, Waltz played uh, Blumfeld in Spectre which was the last James Bond movie. Uh, he's one of the more iconic villains of the James Bond franchise in total. Um, so it looks like he's going to come back uh, for for Bond 25, which is good because you got a big name like Christoph Waltz playing that kind of character and you only use him for one movie? I, I don't think so. So he is coming back, uh, which is really great news. Uh, of course, uh, production has apparently restarted. Uh, with James, uh, with James Bond, uh, with Daniel Craig uh, back from his injury. Although it looks like production hit another snag because apparently there was a uh, an explosion at Pinewood Studios uh, in June that were uh, that injured a crew member. So maybe I think they're just not filming at Pinewood right now. Uh, Pinewood, by the way, is where they film a lot of the big budget movies. Uh, not all of them, but a few of them. Uh, James Bond, obviously, being one of them. Uh, they filmed, I believe, a few of the Star Wars is there as well. It's over in London. That's where they're currently filming right now. So, uh, so yeah, this is pretty cool. Uh, I, I, you know, Spectre's very uh, divisive amongst uh, movie fans. But uh, as for Christoph Waltz playing Blofeld, again, I'm, I'm all for it. And uh, the last... Uh, the, really the last quick movie news item quick fire movie news item is that uh, The Haunting of Hill House uh, if you remember that series from Netflix if you haven't watched it yet highly recommend you do it's very very good but uh, The Haunting of Hill House actor uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen has landed the lead title role for The Invisible Man remake uh, the movie is currently up at uh, Blumhouse and Universal Pictures it is being directed by Leigh Whannell who directed the movie Upgrade uh, he also wrote the first Saw movie uh, we'll talk about him a little later on the podcast uh, but um, or I've already talked about him since I'm redoing the never mind editing I, I know what I'm talking about you guys will know eventually what I'm talking about but editing wise it's whatever I'm not supposed to tell you the secrets of this but I'm telling you anyway uh, but he's directing the movie. They're expected to start filming soon. Uh, Leigh Whannell will serve as a writer and director for the movie. And in case you don't remember, uh, if you did watch The Haunting of the House, and just don't remember who this guy is, uh, he plays, um, I believe he was the younger brother. The the uh, the, the druggie, essentially. Uh, that's who it is. So he's in the movie. Elizabeth Moths is already in the movie. She's playing the lead female character of the movie. There is going to be a twist on The Invisible Man. Uh, we don't know exactly what the twist is. There's been rumors floating around that uh, Elizabeth Moss has uh, gone to start a new life and that the Invisible Man is actually her ex-boyfriend or ex-husband or something like that who she thought was dead and he comes back and he's starting to obviously haunt her. There was a, another rumored plot point that he was a scientist that uh, that's, that something happened and they were trying to do something and then something went wrong and he becomes invisible. So, we don't know. It is a twist on the original story. Uh, James Blunt and his Blumhouse Productions, they really can do no wrong, really, when you think about it. Uh, but Jason Blum has said some new statements about the um, the project, saying that it is going to be a lower-budget movie. It's not dependent on special effects, CGI, stunts. It's a super character-driven. It's really compelling. It's thrilling. It's edgy. And it feels new. That was his quote uh, about the movie. Um, so... The movie will be coming out on March 13th, 2020. It currently has a cast of Aldris Hodge, Storm Reed, which we'll also talk about later um, on the podcast, and uh, Harriet Dyer. The Invisible Man remake will, come, will be coming out on March 13th, 2020. So, there you go on that. So, that's really the end of your quickfire movie news items. <laughs> to our next segment of the podcast, which is Trailer Talk. Coming soon to theaters. 
All right, so the first trailer we're going to talk about is for Disney's Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. I don't know why I said it like that. Five years ago, I thought I lost you forever. There is no curse that could ever tear me away from you. Will you marry me? Yes! Mistress, I have a little bit of news. Don't! Ruin my morning. Philip asked me to marry him. No. I wasn't really asking. Nor was I. Love doesn't always end well, Beastie. Trust me. Let us prove you wrong. You have done an admirable job going against your own nature to raise this child. But now, she will finally get the love of a real mother. Tonight, I consider Aurora my own. There is no union! There will be no wedding! What have you done? We go home now. Aurora! is a threat to everyone. We'll do our best to protect you. Well, well. One can never be too careful. Godmother! This isn't you. You do not know me. was another creature. You've spent years caring for a human. Now it's time to care for your own. The synopsis reads like this. Years have been kind to Maleficent. Of course, once again, being, being played by Angelia Jolie and Aurora, played by Elle Fanning. The relationship born of heartbreak, vengeance, or a uh, revenge, I should say, ult- and ultimately love has flourished, yet the hatred between man and the fairy still exists. Aurora's appending marriage to Prince Philip is cause for celebration in the kingdom and the neighbors and the neighboring moors. As the wedding serves to unite the two worlds, Maleficent and Aurora are pulled apart to opposing sides in a great war, testing their loyalties and causing them to question whether they can truly be fair. Family. The sequel, which uh, will co-star Michelle Pfeiffer, Chelsea Edgefor, Sam Riley, Ed Schreckton, Juno Tempo, and Leslie Manville, Mich- uh, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, opens on October 18th. Uh, I was very indifferent to the first Maleficent movie. I thought it had some pretty good visuals. I thought Angelia Jolie was the perfect casting for Maleficent herself. Um, uh, I liked... It was essentially Disney's real first live-action movie. I mean, they had Cinderella as well, but I think it was Maleficent that really pushed that boundary and really pushed the whole Disney can really pull off these live-action adaptations uh, out into the world. Um, and of course, we haven't stopped. We have not stopped getting them since then. Uh, so, really, who do you have to blame? Not Disney, you. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I don't know what. I don't know. Uh, it's hot in my room. Uh, like, there's no air conditioner in my room, and it gets really hot. Maybe that's what it is. I'm, I'm getting heat stroke. Um, this podcast goes out, it'd be a miracle. Uh, but anyway, um, for the, but for the trailer itself, this new one for Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, um, I thought it was int- I don't know, I mean, it was much better than the first, than, or than the teaser, I should say, because uh, the teaser, I mean, it was a teaser, arguably it was a teaser, so, um, but not being a fan of the first one, I thought the teaser was just okay. This one is a little more interesting. Uh, we do see the dynamic more. Michelle Pfeiffer, she, you can tell that she is playing maybe the villain. We don't know because Angelia Jolie's, you know, like, I'm going to go and wreck your shit if you're taking my kid or my pseudo kid. Um, 
and just having you know all this so i don't know it, look, it looks interesting i guess uh visually it looks like it's gonna be one of those great visual movies again and just seeing Jolie back in 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 this role uh, of Maleficent's great. The only problem I had with this trailer, and I'm usually like, you know, there's the whole thing about how all oh, trailers give too much away of the movie, and sometimes that is the case. But I'm not one of those people. I'm just like, you know what? It's it's they're trying to get you into the movie theater, and whatever's gonna work. And a lot of times, what's gonna work is everything basically from the final act of the movie. Uh, sometimes trailers go too far and they put the ending of the movie in the trailer and then that's then then I'm okay with that with that your your actions and your replies and your uh, your outrage is justified at that point but until then uh, I'm just more on the you know I'll just enjoy the trailer for what it is hopefully I'll enjoy the movie for what it is uh, most of the time I I don't forget everything. I don't forget everything from the trailers, but I forget certain parts of the trailers, and then they pop in the movie. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But in the case for Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, the problem I had with the trailer were the last what, like, 20 seconds of it. Which, if you don't want to know anything about those last 20 seconds, you're like, I'm not gonna watch the trailer until I see it in theaters, or I'm not one of those people that watches trailers. Uh, just skip past all this because I talk about the trailers here on this segment if for all you first-time listeners. Or if you don't want to know what happened in the last 20 seconds of this trailer, just go ahead and skip to the next trailer. Timestamps are down below. Um, the problem I had with this trailer is those last 20 seconds, where it looks like she gets shot down, her being maleficent, because you see the green you know, whatever it is of her coming out, and she splashes into the ocean, and then Michelle Pfeiffer uh, is talking to um, one of her people, and she says there was another creature uh, that came for Maleficent, and it looks like the creature's taking her into the sky, and it turns out that the other creature may be Chitzawal Eldrafor, who has, looks like he has the same design, or at least kind of maybe is the same kind of creature, that Maleficent is, because we know that she's kind of, you know, she has these kind of, uh, you know, uh, fairy powers, but I don't think, I don't, can't remember if they actually mention what exactly she is, but uh, for reason, for whatever reason, that's not popping up to my brain right now. Either way, having that pop up, it's just, it's, it's interesting. I was like, okay, that's cool, but that would have been really cooler to, you know, wait to see in the movie not in the trailer like you know it's like why would you do that and like now it changes everything if you want to like if you want to if i'm going to be one of those people and those people that you know hyper analyzes everything from the trailer it looks like maybe when she gets shot down is after she has her outburst in front of the the royal family and she flies away because if you look you know around the scene that michelle pfeiffer's in it looks like the the chair where I guess she injures the king, maybe, is still down on the floor, so maybe it happens that, so it could be that that happens really early on in the movie, that we find out that Maleficent's not really the last of her kind, that all these people have just been hiding somewhere, I don't know where they've been hiding, but they've been hiding this whole time, this whole time, I don't know. Am I gonna go watch it? Yes, I'm probably gonna go watch it, um, cause I'm actually interested, except for those last 20 seconds of the trailer, uh, which really agitated me. Alright, let's move on. To the next trailer, which is still uh, in the Disney family, uh, the Disney live-action teaser for Mulan. We have excellent news. The matchmaker has found you an auspicious match. It is decided. Come and sit down. It is what is best for our family. Yes. I will bring honor to us all. Quiet. Composed. Graceful. Disciplined. Qualities we see in a good wife. These are the qualities we see in Mulan. It is my duty to fight 
Of course, based off the beloved 1989 animated film, the story follows a fearless young woman, Mulan, played by Lei Weifei, uh, I'm pretty sure I pronounced that one right because I had to look that up, uh, who masquerades as a man in order to fight northern invaders attacking China. Uh, the live-action remake will take more from the narrative poem of The Ballad of Mulan rather than the animated film, which means less musical numbers uh, and potentially no Mushu the Dragon. However, there's been rumors that uh, the character of Mushu, or at least the kind of character that he's supposed to play, will be in the movie and kind of serve the same, pur- the same purpose, but not be as involved, I guess, as Mushu in the animated movie. Uh, also, a lot of the musical numbers will be more of score. So we probably won't have a Be A Man musical song in the middle of the movie. Uh, it'll probably just come as a musical score instead of an actual number. Which I know is going to disappoint a lot of fans, uh, a lot of people out there. But teaser itself, oh, I was not expecting what we got from the teaser. It is damn impressive. At least for me, it is. There's beautiful shots throughout the trailer. It gives us a really good sense of how, what to expect from Lee Fei's Mulan. And I know some, like I mentioned, some fans are going to be disappointed by a lack of musical numbers and uh, Disney taking probably the more serious approach rather than the more you know childish, uh, not and childish in a good way approach. Not childish in the fact that it's following more of the animated movie um, or going more of the animated movie route. That obviously they went with the animated movie because it was more easier. Uh, here they're taking more of the more serious approach, which I'm all for. I think it looks amazing. And that's not to say there's not going to be humor in the movie because it is still a Disney movie at the end of the day. Uh, the movie's villain is also going to be a powerful witch instead of the Han invader Shan Yu. That's already been confirmed, so there's another bit of uh, tidbit you should know about. Brace yourself for all that stuff. Uh, Mulan opens next year on March 27th. Uh, so we'll obviously be, I'll be keeping an eye on it. It's also a nice little gift, Disney. I appreciate that. It's a nice little birthday gift to me. I, I thank you, Disney. I appreciate I'll, I'll take it. All right. That's it. That's, uh, all the, those are the two trailers I'm actually going to talk about. There were other trailers that came out this week. There was a new Dora and the Lost City trailer that came out. If you're interested in that, uh, you can go watch it. There was also a new trailer for Judy, which is a Judy Garland biopic. Uh, Renee Zellweger plays... Uh, Judy Garland in the movie. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Those are all the trailers that came out this week. You can check out all the trailers down below in the description slash show notes area if you want to go check those out. And let's that's it. Those so let's move on to uh, I don't know why I'm so, telling you seriously the heat's getting to me in this room. I don't have to stop uh, soon. Uh, so let's get to the movie news items of the. In case you weren't in the know, there is another Saw movie in the works, and it's coming from the rind, and it's coming from the mind of Chris Rock. Yes, that one. The story comes from comedian act from the comedian actor, and will be written by Pete Goldfinger and Josh Stolberg, with Darren Lynn's Bozeman directing. Bozeman actually directed Saw Two, Three, and Four, and has also directed uh, films like Repo the Genetic Opera, the Mother's Day remake, and Arbiter, which I saw. Uh, didn't get a wide release. I saw it at a film festival. Not too bad. Anyway, uh, Chris Rock will also be an executive producer on the film with James Wan, who of course directed the original Saw film, and Leigh Whannell, who also wrote the first movie and starred in the, in the first film as well. However, this week, the movie has added a few names to the cast. First, Maricel Nichols, Max Menghella, uh, and Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh have joined the, uh, of the movie. On top of that, the movie is apparently not a reboot or a remake like originally thought, but an actual continuation of the movie series that was confirmed by Lionsgate chairman John uh, Joe Drake, who said that uh, that the movie will be canonized. Uh, so, if you're a big Saw movie fan and love the history of Saw and have seen all the Saw movies and know about the timeline and everything, uh, this will line up with it, I guess. Uh, on top of that, some story details came out saying that Chris Rock will play a police detective investigating a series of grisly crimes. Manghella will play Chris Rock's cop partner. Nichols will play Chris Rock's boss. And Samuel L. Jackson, I can't believe we're going to have Samuel L. Jackson in the Saw movie. Uh, well, I can't believe we're having a Saw movie based off an idea that Chris Rock had. Uh, that being said, Jackson will play um, 
Chris Rock's detective father in the movie. No word yet on whether or not Tobin Bell, who of course uh, made the franchise his own, uh, playing John Kramer, a.k.a. Jigsaw, uh, will, will be returning. The untitled sequel, apparently, will open next year on October 23rd. Uh, I, I'm going to be honest, I only saw... Uh, the first three Saw movies uh, in entirety. I've seen parts of four. I know what happens in all the other movies. And then I saw Jigsaw, uh, which came out last year. And I don't know. I'm just... It's, it, I think what's going to be the more interesting part of this is the fact that it's based off an idea that Chris Rock had. It's not crazy to think that, you know, just because someone has a... a uh, in this case, Chris Rock, who is mostly known as a comedian, and is everything that he's done has been been pretty much comedic. That he can't, you know, do something. I mean, look at Jordan Peele. Not saying that Chris Rock is next Jordan Peele. Not saying that at all whatsoever. But you know, the the crossover from comedians uh, or you know, or the jumping ships, I should say, of comedians doing more comedic st- or more you know dramatic stuff or stuff that's out of you know, something that's not in the range that you think they have is more common than you think. Uh, or obviously, Jordan Peele being one of them, Melissa McCarthy, like we talked about earlier, being another one. Um, so, yeah. I, I guess I'll be interested in this. I mean, you got Samuel L. Jackson in the movie. I mean, that's going to say something. If Samuel L. Jackson doesn't end up in a trap of some sort and is just blaring out motherfuckers everywhere, then there's no reason for this movie to exist. English, motherfucker! Do you speak it? Yes! Then you know what I'm saying. Yes. Describe what Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. All right, so let's move on to the next movie news item. Uh, Joker. If co-writer and director of the movie Joker is to be believed, that being Todd Phillips... Joker pulled absolutely nothing from the source material to craft the story for the movie. This news comes from Phillips himself, who spoke with Empire, and bluntly said that he and co-writer Scott Silver ignored the comics when writing, saying this, quote, We didn't follow anything from the comic books, which people are going to be mad about. We just wrote our own version of where a guy like Joker might come from. That's what was interesting to me. We're not even doing Joker, but the story of becoming Joker, it's about this man. Of course, Joaquin Phoenix is playing uh, the main character in Joker. Uh, His name is Arthur Fleck, I believe, in the movie. Yes. And now, if you remember when the news broke out for this movie, of course, everyone went crazy. But it was reported when, when it came out that Phillips went to Warner Brothers with the idea of making a movie about the Joker in the vein of Taxi Driver. And if you look at that movie, it's pretty much Taxi Driver. And even a little bit of Kings of Com- uh, the King of Comedy in there. With all that being said, I know that some fans are already up in arms about the news. I saw that clearly when the news broke. While some do see tidbits of previous Joker comics in the trailer, either way, you may have to lower your massive expectations for the movie. I know there were rumors of the movie being played at the uh, one of the film festivals. I think it was Telluride. Could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure I saw that somewhere. I I was I'm been very hesitant about Joker for a number of reasons. One, it, it just it's just one of those things where you know you're gonna take a a story about one of let's face it, arguably one of the best comic book characters of all time. Not not saying one of the best villains of all time. I'm just saying period. One of the best comic book characters of all time you can say villains it's fine but you're taking this story and you're making an origin and one of the great things about the joker character is you never know where his origin is from you don't know where he's from you don't know how he became the joker if you want to take the dark knight approach you know he was telling all these different stories of how he got his scars and how he became the joker you want to take the tim burton approach he you know he was thrown into a vat of chemicals and he was a gangster and he came out like that if you want to take uh i think it was was it called the killing joke i can't i always forget the name of the of it i think it was the killing joke uh you want to take that I'm pretty sure that's not what it was. But anyway, um, any comic book fan will know, and I know you're all yelling at me, saying whether I'm right or wrong, but there was a comic that talked about potentially one of the origins of the Joker was he was a stand-up comic, and uh, he was married, and something happened with his wife, and he had to go and 
go into a life of crime, and then he fell into the vats of chemicals that we all that we've all seen before, and he becomes slowly the Joker that we know and love. So there's all these stories of how the Joker's become the person that he is. If you're taking the Joker, it looks like it's just something happened uh, to him. Uh, he's just been slowly losing his mind, or maybe the world's losing his mind, and he's become the most sanest person on the planet, and he's taking you know, control of his own life again. So it looks, I don't know, it looks interesting. Um, I, I think the idea of Joaquin Phoenix playing the Joker was very interesting. I think that it's being developed by Todd Phillips, who everyone probably knows him better from directing the Hangover movies, is interesting. It's got a pretty good cast. You know, you got Zazie Beetz in there, you got Robert De Niro in there, you got Shea Wilgham in there, you got someone else in there that I'm blanking on that I'm going to be upset about myself. But it's, it's got a pretty great cast. It's got a great team behind it. I'm just, you know, I'm just... And now this news comes out. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, everyone's like, you know, oh, we want, you know, more original stories. We want more original movies. And then the Joker comes out and everyone's like, well, I mean, we want that many original stuff, right? And then this word comes out like, oh, we didn't take any story points from the comics. And they're like, ah, I don't know if I'm interested anymore. But it's just, I don't know, it's just, I think it'd be interesting to kind of see how that works out. And, and, and with Phillips' statement saying, you know, we're not making a movie about Joker. We're making a movie about this guy who could become the Joker or of him becoming the Joker. He's not necessarily the Joker in the movie. Something tells me that it's, it's going to be one of those slow burn movies where he's probably not the Joker He's probably going to be the Joker for like the last act of the movie, and that's it. And even then, he's probably going to be like early stages Joker. And then he's going to become full-fledged, you know, the clown prince of Gotham by the end of the movie. Or before the end of the movie, or whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll see how, you know, Todd Phillips wants to do it. And of course, this has no connection to the other DC movies. So, it's kind of, it's going to be its own thing. So, maybe Joker dies at the end of the movie. Who knows? Maybe he inspires someone else to take up the, you know, the, the paint. Which is also something that uh, has gone around the comics. That there's been multiple versions of Jokers throughout the, throughout the years. It hasn't been the same Joker over and over again. So, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm sure just fans are going to be up in arms about this, which, I mean, they're, they're in their right to. I mean, obviously, like I mentioned, Joker is one of the most popular characters in all of comics. Whether he's a hero or a villain, doesn't matter. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens with that. All right, uh, moving on from one DC story to another, Storm Reed, who, which is a young, or who, which is? She's not a thing. She is a young and on-the-rise actress. Storm Reed is being eyed to join the Suicide Squad. The rap broke the news, saying that although there are no, there is no deal in place, Reed is a top contender to play Idris Elba's daughter in the movie. Details on the movie are currently being kept under wraps, and while at first it was reported that she, it would be a reboot, casting updates came out that proved differently. Jai Courtney and Viola Davis were confirmed to return as their characters Captain Boomerang and Amanda Waller from Suicide Squad a few years ago, and Joe Kenneman and Margot Robbie are rumored to return as well as Rick Flagg and Harley Quinn. Elba's character is being kept a secret, although at first he was cast as a replacement to Will Smith's Deadshot, but Smith was displeased with the casting, and then Elba was cast in a mystery role because Will Smith was like, hey, what if I want to come back and play Deadpool again? Or play Deadshot again? They're like, okay, we'll just have Elba play another character. The rest of the cast is also so far comprised of David Deskamelchian, pretty sure I pronounced the last name wrong, uh, Daniela Melquire, and John Cena! Storm broke onto the scene with a small role in 12 Years a Slave, and then in Ava DuVernay's A Wrinkle in Time. She has since gotten the lead roles in Blumhouse's The Invisible Man, and a movie called Don't Let Go, which also comes from Blumhouse, which will come out later this year. She is also on the HBO series Euphoria, and she reunited with DuVernay on the acclaimed Netflix series When They See Us. Elba will, of course, be seen later this summer in Hobbs and Shaw. James Gunn will be writing and directing the movie, which will start shooting soon since Suicide Squad, or The Suicide Squad, opens on August 6th, 2021. Of course, James Gunn is also working on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I like Storm Reed. I've only seen her in A Wrinkle of Time, uh, unfortunately, which wasn't very good, but she was one of the better parts of the movie in general. Um, she seems like a really nice person. She's got a good head on her shoulders. Her name is, bad her name is Badass, Storm Reed. I mean, come on. 
so yeah, it's gonna be interesting. And and the cast itself. I mean, we talked about Suicide Squad here on the on the podcast before. I don't mind it. I think it's gonna be fine. Uh, will it be awesome? Who knows? But we'll see what happens. Next movie news item we're gonna talk about. Potentially the final movie news item. Uh, at least at the time of this recording, the new Mortal Kombat movie has found its first new cast member, and it's a good one, at least if you're a fan of martial arts movies. The remake has cast Joe Talzin as Sub-Zero. The character, of course, is one of the mo- one of the original characters of the video game, and has a long history of fan-favorite character Scorpion. Uh, Mortal Kombat will be produced by James Wan and his Atomic Monster Banner, and will be directed by Simon McCoy, who is a veteran commercials director making his feature film debut. Greg Russell, who is also making a script writing debut, wrote the current version of the script. However, the plot for the film is being kept under wraps, despite a rumored plot being uh, floating around on the internet uh, about a family or something like that. Uh, I read it, and I already forgot about it, and I didn't write it down for the outline, uh, because, you know stuff changes all the time so of course the property is based off the very popular and still ongoing video game franchise and has already spawned one movie i don't i don't know why people keep saying there was two mortal Kombat movies there's only been one uh the 1995 which was directed by paul ws anderson and starred robin show as Liu kang lyndon ashby as johnny cage bridget wilson as sonya blade and of course christopher lambert as raiden and of course shang's son was played by carrie hiroyuki Tagawao, I think it's how you pronounce his last name. I always mispronounce his last name. I just know him as Shang Tsung. Uh, anyway, and Johnny Tsunami. Uh, the stuntman uh, that plays Sub-Zero in the original movie was, uh, was, was a stuntman by the name of uh, Francois Piatit. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. But uh, that's it. That's, I mean, there wasn't a sequel. Nope, there was there was no sequel. As for Talzin himself, uh, he broke out onto the scene with audiences in the Raid movie. In the first one, he played uh, the lead, uh, one of the lead uh, guy, one of the lead... Uh, police officers in the movie and here in the states he's appeared in some small villain roles in fast and the furious 6 uh and star trek beyond you can also watch him in the awesome netflix film the night comes for us which if you're a martial arts fan if you have not watched it or if you just want to watch something that he's done he's actually one of the leads in the movie very good in that and it's a very good action movie too uh he was also apparently i have this on my dvr i recorded all the episodes i haven't gotten a chance to watch it but he's in the cinemax uh series warrior which was based off some uh one of bruce lee's writings one of the tv series or i guess i don't know if it's a tv series or a movie that he wanted to do but it's called warrior that's on cinemax if you want to go check that out he's apparently in it uh which i which is a very nice surprise when i read this news on him because i'm gonna be watching warrior very soon Uh, Mortal Kombat will begin production later this year in Australia and currently has a release date of March 5th, 2021. I, for one, cannot wait for this. I think this is great casting. Um, I hope they continue with the great casting. I just hope that they get a really great cast and they don't fuck this up. Don't do it. You know how long we have waited for a proper, uh, another proper Mortal Kombat movie? Because, again, there's only been one. There's only been one. All right. Uh, That's it. That's all the movie news items that I got for you guys uh, that came out this week. Let's move on to this week's movie releases. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So we got two limited releases for you guys. The first one is The Art of Self-Defense. A man, played by Jesse Eisenberg, is attacked at random on the street. He enlists on a local dojo led by a charismatic and mysterious sensei, played by Alessandro Novala, in an effort to learn how to defend himself. The film co-stars Omaj Poots. Um, I saw the trailer for this a while ago. It looked interesting. I think it's being played off as a comedy, although it looks like there's some serious moments in it. Um, so... Be prepared for that, I guess, uh, if you want to go check that out. Uh, the second limited release, which is the one I'm looking forward toward, is The Farewell. It is written and directed by Lulu Wang, who actually just signed up to do another movie. I think it's like a sci-fi movie, so that's pretty cool. Uh, based on her own story and a actual lie, as the trailer puts it, uh, a Chinese family discovers their grandmother has only a short time or only, only a short while to live and decides to keep her in the dark, scheduling a wedding as a gathering uh, for the family before she dies. Aquafina stars in the movie. Um, I'm assuming she's playing the Lulu Wang version of of her. Uh, and the film's gotten off to a pretty great 
start and word of mouth. Uh, it's been playing at a lot of film festivals, and everyone's been saying that's really good, and that Aquafina's performance is really spectacular. Uh, Aquafina has only done a few things live action wise. I know she's done a lot of voice work. Uh, she was in Ocean's Eight. If you got to watch that, that's kind of the first time I saw her uh, performing in anything, um, and I thought she was pretty great in that. And then you know now she's doing this, and it's completely different, uh, which I'm I'm all for. So, uh, all right. Uh, and wide releases, we have two, we have Crawl, directed by Alexandra Aja, a young woman, played by, uh, Kayla Scordelario, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, while attempting to save her father, played by Barry Pepper, during Category 5 Hurricane, finds herself trapped in a flooding house, and must fight her, uh, fight for her life against alligators. I'm gonna let you in on a secret, I saw this already. Uh, I will let you know my thoughts after we finish this whole little segment here. Uh, the next movie is Stuber, a detective played by Dave Batista recruits his Uber driver, played by Kumail Nanjiani, in an unexpected night of adventure. Stuber co-stars Natalie Morales, Iko Owais, Karen Gillan, and Mir Sorvino. This looks really funny. Uh, I know it's been getting a pretty decent word of mouth. I know there's not a lot of great reviews out there so it's getting a little mixed but uh, a lot of people are saying that it's at least fun and that the chemistry between Batista and Nanjiani is good so really that's all I really need to know uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while so uh, I'm a huge fan of Dave Batista and of Kumail Nanjiani so seeing them as a pair is very obviously very jarring uh, but very very cool so that's what I'm looking forward to okay uh, so you're, again your wide releases Stuber and Crawl your limited releases The Art of Self-Defense and The Farewell alright so let's talk about Crawl uh, I saw it last night it's uh, of course directed by Alexandra Aja like I mentioned earlier I'm not going to go into spoilers I'm not going to spoil it for you guys so I'm going to try to keep this as spoiler free as possible but um, I watched it I wasn't overly excited to go watch crawl it was a movie that i was inevitably gonna go watch anyway i just thought it was gonna be one of those summer movies that i watched and you know in the middle of the summer and it's like eh, you know take it or leave it uh so i wasn't too hyped up or excited about uh about watching crawl but then i started watching it and it started and uh you know what i was fairly surprised by it i really ended up enjoying it uh, for what it was, if you know anything about Alexandra Aja's work, he's directed High Tension, he's directed the, the Hills Have Eyes remake, uh, he did Piranha, I think I th- believe he also did Mirrors, um, at least the remake of Mirrors, because it was a remake uh, of a foreign movie. He uh, is very hit and miss, and I was a big fan of High Tension, uh, I thought um, the Hills Have Eyes was okay for what it was, um, not having watched the original before I watched the remake first, but um, he's a decent director, he knows a lot about gore, and if you know anything about his work, uh, you will be surprised by what Crawl was, gore-wise, and and horror-wise. It's really good, at least the gore anyway, is really good uh, for what they were trying to do. It it caught me by surprise a couple times, I'm not gonna lie. The story itself, it's about, uh, obviously, it's about this a uh, woman play, uh, named Haley, who, uh, during a, a hurricane, goes to uh, see her if her father's all right because uh, she has a sister in the movie and she doesn't and they haven't heard from him. So she goes and um, she finds him down in the uh, crawl space uh, basement. I guess. it's not really a basement; it's more of a crawl space. Um, and uh, she finds out that he's been hurt, and she eventually finds out she finds out the hard way that there is an alligator, uh, two alligators actually. Uh, there are multiple alligators in the movie. It's not just one killer alligator. It's not like Jaws. There's uh, multiple alligators in the movie uh, that are in the crawl space, and it's basically them just trying to figure out a way to get out of the crawl space and get away from these gators, but also survive the hurricane that's going on outside. And uh, if you're wondering, why well, just don't call anybody, they take care of that situation. Um, I know a lot of people say that the movies look dumb. I'm one of them. If you go back and listen to the Summer Movie Season Preview podcast that we released uh, earlier this, uh, that we released earlier this summer, it was me and Mike. Me and Mike were not very thrilled about this movie, and I. I was one. Of the, I was just like, ah, and then as we got closer to the release date, I was like, okay, whatever. I'll go watch it. I'll give it a chance. And I always give movies a chance. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, this movie's gonna suck, and I'm just gonna 
just sit here and, and stew in it, you know? No. I'm one of those people that will give a movie a chance. And um, I gave it a chance, and uh, I went to go, and it was good. It was thoroughly, it was thoroughly enjoyable. It has really good jump scares in there. Uh, a few of them got me. I'm not gonna lie. A few of them actually got me. I'm, I'll give, I'll give, I'll give Aja credit. And it's just, yeah, it's just thoroughly enjoyable. The seat, the ga- the Gators are CGI. You will know that immediately when you see it. It is a very CGI Gator. I do think they used a few real Gators at some point, but for the most part, they they're CGI. Um, but uh, the movie's night. It's it's short. It's like a hour twenty seven minutes. So it's a nice tight thriller with uh, with a decent story. You know, you got uh, this daughter uh, and the father who are pretty much estranged from each other. They don't they don't have a really great relationship? They used to, and now they really don't. Uh, so seeing them uh, come together and try to survive this gator attack, it brings them closer together. It's great. It's I, I'm thoroughly I was thoroughly surprised by it. Would I recommend it? Yeah, I would actually. I, I would recommend Crawl to anyone who doesn't, you know, want the, who wants to maybe avoid the crowds. Although my theater was very packed, uh, surprisingly, it was very packed with people. But um, I'd recommend it. I, I would recommend Crawl. There's never really a moment where it kind of gets boggled down or anything. You're the you know, there's no real like music cues, so you don't really know when jump scares are coming, which is nice. So I applaud Aja for doing that and. Uh, of course, it's produced by Sam Raimi, of course, directed the Evil Dead movies, uh, and of course, the Spider-Man movies, uh, so, yeah, I would recommend, I, I, I don't want to, I, I, I want to talk more about it, but I don't want to spoil anything, uh, I just will say it's a very great, uh, or very good, I should say, tight, compact, uh, horror thriller with some decent jump scares, uh, some effective jump scares, and, uh, and pretty good, uh, pretty good cast. It's, it's pretty much mostly, um, the lead actress, Kea, I mispronounced her name earlier, uh, I think it's K. Ke- I think they pronounce it, uh, Kayla Scolodario, I think, I think that's how you pronounce it, I could be pronouncing it wrong again, but, uh, it's mostly her and Barry Pepper, who plays her father, and they do a really great job at, uh, at everything, so kudos to, to them for, for pulling this off. I know a lot of people are, Still on the fence about it, but like I mentioned, I, I highly recommend it. It's it's a, it's a very effective uh, horror thriller that uh, you will enjoy. And if anything, it's short, so you won't be too upset about it. So, highly recommend. It gets a it gets a stamp of approval in my book. So, um, if you want to go check that out, you can. And that's it, everybody. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast this week. That's all I got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening again. Whether you're listening to this on YouTube, if you are, be sure to subscribe and like and leave a comment down below. What was your what were you looking forward to? If you saw Crawl or Stuber already, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, what were your thoughts on the trailers and the movie news items of the week? If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate it if you give me a... Uh, rating it doesn't have to be five stars i don't care just give me a rating uh at this point um i'm that desperate and uh leave me a review and i will you know uh read it here live on the podcast once uh once it pops up other than that guys that's all i got obviously other links are in the description slash show notes area uh, all the trailers that came out this week they'll all be linked down there my social media accounts are all linked down there as well hopefully you guys have a very safe week and i hopefully i will see you guys next week and that being said that's all i got so have a safe fun weekend be good people and as always go watch some movies whoop, whoop. yeah give it up movies <laughs>